Hello and welcome to episode 98 of Q&A Quest. I'm your sick host, Mike Apps, a.k.a. Wheels, and with me as always... Version Blue exclusive host, uh, Family Master, David McBurney. And version Red exclusive um, Q&A host, Michael yeah. Baker, Ajimino Gatari. Does that mean this, me? this was only allowed to happen... This, that means this was only allowed to happen via extreme game shark hacking. Does this mean I'm yellow? No, no, no we, we just had a good link table. Nice. Special... Decide which version of game we're actually in right now. Oh, man. Well, I mean, we're, we're recording through Skype, so technically we're just both in our home versions. But, it's a battle. Yeah, red, blue, and so I'm guessing that Wheels is yellow. Yeah, special wheel edition. <laughs> I don't want to be yellow. I didn't like Pikachu. Well, you can... I, mean, I don't I... know. You can be Eevee now. No, but that's brown. Uh, that is the version I bought, though, out of protest. <laughs> just because, just out of abject disgust at Pikachu. Yeah. Why? I don't know. <laughs> just going against the grain. Yeah, gotta be that guy. Don't worry, yeah, I got the easy version too. Uh, so yeah, this is episode ninety-eight. I'm gonna hang around here for the intro, then vanish to go take some medicine because I feel like death, and I will probably rejoin back in the middle again. So maybe we can talk okay. about. Some of the stuff we've been playing. Uh, I've been grinding in Dragon Quest Eight. Does that count? Totally. Yeah. I'm at like level ninety-four. I don't even know why I'm doing it anymore. <laughs> I kinda. I just like I haven't had a lot of time for video game, so I've just been doing like that as I go to sleep because it like relaxes me after long stressful days. So. Dragon Quest is always oh, relaxing. Like, I'm not even in the post-game. Like, I should have just killed off Rapthorn by now, but I haven't. <laughs> I think you could probably murder him right now. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be a brutal slaughter. Well, I've um, decided to put Metal Saga Season of Steel back in its case for a while longer. <laughs> That's a good choice. Just because, well, I mean, I, I figured out, I mean, I mentioned last week, I figured out why I could not actually find this one wanted monster because I hadn't talked to the right guy yet. Yeah. Um, but now I'm, but then I got stuck in the period where I have to drag around this level three hacker. <laughs> my character's my main character is level twenty eight, and uh, you only get two characters and the dog for this game. <laughs> so, I mean, true story. Um, after you get the hacker kid, um, unless you go out of your way to fight stuff, there is no battles between you picking him up and a wanted monster battle. Where he is absolutely necessary to jam the thing's coordination software so it's killable. And um, thankfully, he doesn't have to get out of the car to do this, so it, when he survives this battle, he automatically skips up to level 10. Nice. From, the amount of, from the amount of experience this thing gets. <laughs> but then you have to drag him through a canyon area because he's the only one who can unlock this... Um, panel gate that's hidden in there and you have to get him through a large swamp to find this time capsule with to get details on Noah and basically he dies really easily really Good. easily I think he's got like eight or nine scars at him on him at this point which each scar marks one resuscitation oh boy yikes 
And, um, I mean, beyond that, there's just the little quality of life things, like um, it's difficult to figure out targeting ranges, and the fact that there's only one tank, and um, this is the only game in the series that doesn't do ablative armor and or force fields as its main hit points. So instead, each section of the tank has its own hit point total, and anything that has electrical powers can pretty much take out your, your tank's CPU and hit. And who's typing really loudly? Oh, sorry. Didn't realize that was going to catch. Yeah. No worries. So, yeah, and so the areas I have to take this kid through are full of things like caterpillars that send arc lightning. <laughs> and um, literally, electronic elk. Electronic? Yes, they are electronic. Um, they have, like, They've got, I mean, you know, the like the Tesla coils? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Imagine antlers styled as Tesla, as like 10 branch Tesla coils. Wow. Any of these things can just down my tank in one hit. Um, it can still fight, but it can't move after battle. Unless I spend about six repair kits in a row to bring the CPU up from completely trashed to serviceable. <laughs> so. And generally, um, they still hadn't caught on to actually, you know, how to help increase damage output from characters in this game. So, yeah, la later games, they'd like to make it into more of a game of how much damage can you dish out in one round. This game, no, let's keep it down to double digits for the most part. Kind of annoying. Mm. I did get to, um, get, did get to chase an artificially jacked um, Japanese salaryman through a small skyscraper, though. <laughs> Super Tanaka. Yep. That's a good name. Yep. He, I mean, he looks like a slightly overweight, balding Japanese salaryman with glasses and a bad comb over. Nice. Except he's got a Venom-style power pack on his back. Hmm. And enough muscles to bench press Arnold. Ah. Like Arnold's. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So I, I'm I really enjoy some of the more creative elements of this game. I just wish that it had been done better. So yeah, that's, that's... and I mean this is before we get to the touch only controls. Ugh, touch only yes. controls on the DS were a plague. Yes. Yeah. So I I did find one use for the for the um for the cursor buttons. Mm -hmm. On the map, it can scroll up and down. That's it. Oh, good. <laughs> yep. So instead, recently I've been playing Zelda Oracle of Ages just because I can. Mm -hmm. oh, I like that one. That one's good. Good times. Mm -hmm. I think that's the one I have. Yeah, I haven't. I don't think I've ever actually beaten that one. That one's later dungeons get really uh, fiddly. Yeah, I had. I think I had the other one it, as a kid. Yeah, it's the puzzles. It, very puzzle-heavy one. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, uh, the fourth boss, you have to use the the staff that makes blocks in order to get him put back together, so you can whack him to death. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, because the Oracle games started as remakes, but one of them started as a remake of Zelda One, and the other started as Zelda Two. And they obviously retained a lot less of Zelda 2 when they were making, when they were turning <laughs> Ages into its final form, whereas 
Seasons has enough of Zelda 1 in it that you can still, like, a lot of the dungeons are kind of in the same places on the maps. And the bosses. Yeah. Yep. I know, I mean, they've got Patris as a boss in um, Ages. Yeah, but I mean, like, the first six bosses of, like, Seasons are all in the same dungeons that they would be in Zelda 1. Like, there's a lot more of just Zelda 1 DNA just still floating around in Seasons. Yeah. And thankfully, a whole lot more of Link's Awakening floating around. <laughs> and has anyone here ever done the password playthrough on those? Yes, actually. You beat the you final final boss. Yes, I beat Ganon. Nice. And the Witch Sisters before him. It was kind of fun. I wish yeah, I knew ever... what copy of Seasons was so I could try it again. <laughs> I've got them both on 3DS, and I've never gotten around to doing giving them both a full replay. Yeah, same here. No, I have them both on Game Boy Color, and nice. Yep. As I, said, I still need to remember where I put Seasons, so I can play through it in some random language again. Uh, my copy of the Seasons was bought in France, so it's got four language support. It's kind of fun. <laughs> Trey BN. And it was, and it was on a system with a proprietary screen, so it doesn't have PAL issues. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Been thinking a lot about PAL issues this week. Yes, no reason. Sony really did that to <laughs> us, huh? <laughs> uh, you've been you've been hearing about this, uh, guy, Jim? Oh, what now? No. The the PS One Classic, uh, the North American version. Uh huh. It shares its entire game lineup with the European version, but for some reason, there's just arbitrary ones that are just the PAL versions. Mm-hmm. So they run at a 50 hertz refresh rate, which means that they have to drop frames. But, like, they also... The system itself forces them to run at 60 hertz, so they also have to arbitrarily repeat frames every so often, so it makes a really jittery, broken-looking picture. Okay. <laughs> Magical. I have no idea why they did this. Good old Sony. Because it's Sony, and Sony hates to actually redo anything, so they always run the cheapest possible emulation instead of actually doing <laughs> the right thing. I mean, like the I mean, Final Fantasy PlayStation Remix. I'm reminded, like, I was looking up how, like, since they bungled this emulation badly enough, I was looking up, like, how did PlayStation emulation work in the past? And it's like, uh, on PS2 and PSP, they actually both just used, just had relatives of the PS1's... Uh, processor in them and could just sort of take most of the code natively. I mean, that's why they ended up taking out the PS2 compatibility with PlayStation 3, at least one reason, because it was taking up too much space to have the extra hardware for PS2 in there. Literally anything to drive down the price when they were still hovering around $500. And then there's also, um, yeah, kind of curious, um, like the other rumors that they were trying to, like, force some of the developers to give up the PlayStation 2 for PlayStation 3 by eliminating the compatibility. I could but, see uh, them hmm. trying to disincentivize making PS2 games with the notion of like, well, PS3's new install base will also be buying, will also be able to buy this. It's like, well, no, they can't. <laughs> but they also did it by halves, because first they took out the CPU and then they took out the GPU, or vice versa. I can't remember which. Yeah. I think it was the GPU first. Yeah, I remember it just... Uh, man, I'm just remembering all the stupid, uh, like... They they tried to make a lot of hype just by naming the CPU the Emotion Edge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> what a name. Yeah. Well, anyway, this brings us to one of Budai's nested questions here. Oh, nice. Uh, and on that note... What are the... let's, let's let wheels wander out. Yeah, I will okay. be back in a bit. All medicined okay. up. Okay. So, question here is... Is he gone? Yeah, I think he's dead. Okay, good. Um, PS2 Classic? Uh, limited. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm honestly surprised that they went through with a PlayStation Classic as well. Just because of the entire PlayStation Network and PlayStation Store. Yeah, but they don't actually support that anymore, for yeah, to any real extent. Yeah. I mean, like it's the... not too different from a question I saw online a few weeks ago about, uh, what about Nintendo 64 Classic? And I'm thinking, first of all, how many good games can you think of for the, place to, for the Nintendo 64? And how many of them have not already been reported to 3DS? I think that you could make a case for it. Like, I mean, they made the NES and SNES classic, but those had almost nothing that wasn't on the virtual console at some stage. Yep. But, but it was accessibility as well. Um, yeah. Like, the the other issue I think you'd run into is just that, like, the N64 and the PS2 are both much more fiddly pieces of hardware to emulate. Like, you'll note that PS2 emulation has come around. N64 emulation kind of still hasn't. Uh, but in general, like, they're both pieces of hardware that have strange, uh, internal components that don't really behave like anything else, so. I mean, I remember the, I remember the dark, the, uh, wonderfully crazy years of early Super Nintendo emulation where some of the later games required an entire new update to some of the emulators because they had chips in them that could not be worked with normally i mean mm. some of it was i mean that's what you get with a lot of the cartridge based stuff because they the developers were um like how oh, was the word here uh compensating for base technical issues by just adding in new chips yeah which, which is why stuff like star ocean was a bugger to emulate at first and so was terra enigma and treasure hunter g and a, a lot of there's the all these different there's like yeah. 10 or so different chips that at least one or two games use. Yeah, Especially the later ones that were going for, um, I mean, like Treasure Hunter G basically had modeled 3D graphics. That's... It, it was, um, it and Star Ocean were like literally 32-bit games. Yeah, I need to look up what... Uh... And wow, that brings back, I haven't played Treasure Hunter G in like 16 years. Oh. You should look up like what uh chips those use, like, because you also get things like Tengai Machio Zero that uses a chip that nothing else uses. Mm -hmm. That one was such a pain to emulate that, like, there's essentially an emulator that only exists because nothing else emulated it perfectly. Why am I not surprised that Red Company would do something like that? <laughs> that's, that's kind of, like, Red. Like, Red just does things, and then other and companies the build around them. What? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I was I was worried that I'd interrupted. No, I was just making a bad joke reference. Uh, Red all over. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Um, thinking back to all the games I would even want on like a Nintendo 64 classic. Um, let's see, Oracle of Time and Majora's Mask, both 3DS. Mario 64, 3DS. Um, Paper the DS Mario. version of Mario 64 is. 
bear is sub- substantively different enough that I could see wanting to keep the original in circulation, though. Um, Paper Mario. I, I would love to see that on 3DS. Ditto yeah. for Ogre Battle 64. I would love to be able to play that one again on something that did not require me to buy Nintendo 64. That was on Virtual Console on Wii and Wii U, actually. I never had either of those either. Oh, yeah, I don't blame you. I'm just saying, like, they... One of the things that is interesting is, like, whenever you think about, like, the games people might want to see on an N64 Classic, they are things that Nintendo has gone to the trouble of licensing in the past. Yeah. And also, I mean, Nintendo has a reputation for actually porting them to new Mm. stuff. So. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the, I mean, a lot of the incentive for putting them together into one machine is that they don't think they can actually sell them individually properly. Yeah. Man, I'm looking at all of these, like, really ridiculous uh, SNES add-on chips that only showed up in one in one or two games. Mm-hmm. The Guy Machio one is a combination like decompressor and real-time clock, which is a strange set of things to put into one chip, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, red company, red company, huh. Let's see, but yeah, like, a lot of them would be just, like, uh, like, <laughs> just ways to decompress data on the fly, uh, Star Ocean and Street Fighter Alpha 2 both use the uh, the SDD1, which is some sort of decompression that would make emulation a pain if you didn't have access to how it decompresses data. Although that, you might end up having to fix on the ROM itself. Whatever. I don't know enough about emulation to say. But, yeah. Uh, the other stuff tended to be things that were like meant to help the Super Nintendo's kind of slow clock CPU. Nintendo originally had this idea of like, well, we'll use a relative of the of the 6502. Yeah, I think it was a 6502 on the NES, and then we'll have backwards compatibility, and then they realized that every relative of the 6502 that would maintain compatibility would be, would make this system like, bottleneck so badly that it wouldn't be able to compete with any competing system, so they had to drop that, but they'd already committed to that CPU. Yeah, so similarly with PS2, it doesn't have the same kind of hardware problems, but you end up in a situation where a lot of the better games are things that could actually be slightly upgraded and re-released on Vita or PlayStation 4. Pretty much. I mean, Final Fantasy X and X-2, I've got them both on Vita in the other room. Oh, that thing, like, 10 and 10, 2 and 12 now yeah. are things that they're just putting on everything. It's like, man, why bother? Yeah. But, and those that's kind of the issue that you'd run into, is that the PS2 has a really broad library, but the anything you would put on a PS2 classic is either, like, not going to appeal to... Because like, 150 million people bought the dang thing, you have mm-hmm. to try to find, well, what would the majority of the... What would the largest subsection of that user base still want to play? And it's all stuff that's still available. Yeah. It's Final Fantasy, it's Grand Theft Auto, it's things like that. And sometimes more avail- still available in better versions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, you also have to deal with the fact that a lot of those... A lot of the companies that made those are still alive and healthy enough to actually demand reasonable, like reasonably healthy licensing fees. There is also that. 
I mean, I, I would have kind of wished that we get, like, they make a PlayStation 1 classic that is only relatively obscure games. I mean, I would love to see, like, Moon and Yakata and a bunch of other games I've on, that only I have played among our English-speaking audience and just be able to show them more to the world. Yeah. Speaking of which, Yakata, incredibly bizarre game, and I was not surprised at all to see two major members of Red Company listed in the credits <laughs> as an advisory position. I'm like, oh dear. Yes. That's, that's one of those, well, I guess I understand now. Yeah. I remember uh, I was looking at, oh, what was it? Like, I was looking at the Japanese... Uh, I was looking at the Japanese version of the PS1 Classic, and it kind of bothered me that that version has Devil Dice, and the English version does not, because that's actually an interesting, obscure game that you can't buy. They've never re-released it in English. Was it ever released in English to begin with? Yeah, it was called Devil Dice in English. Oh, okay. In Japan, it's called, like, G or something. It's spelled X-I. I have no idea how they spell it. Oh, that game! Yeah, it's a weird okay, puzzle I, game. I, I think it was originally that. a Yorose game. I've seen that in the stories. I had no idea what it's about. Yeah, it's it's a puzzle game where your little devil's wandering around on a dice board. It's very strange. I have to check that out sometime. Okay. But yeah, like in Japan, it's evidently still a thing that you could get hold of. But in America, not never got re-released. Still, like, was well-liked at the time, but fallen completely into obscurity. Sony owns it. There's nothing to stop them, but they didn't. <laughs> I mean, if anybody out there wants a copy of the Japanese game, I can probably get it for five bucks or less. Not bad. Like, I, there's probably almost no language barrier. It's a confusing game regardless. <laughs> but once you learn the actual rules of how to, you know, do puzzle combos in it. But, yeah. Uh, there was actually some other really good stuff on the Japanese version that's just not in the English version. Uh, though some of it, some of it, like, I don't think has had an official English release, but also some of it's stuff like Gradius Gaiden, where, I mean, it doesn't need one. <laughs> like, it's just a good game that is it English enough, it's a shooter. <laughs> Let's see, what else was on this list? Uh, Armored Core? I could probably have gotten that. Uh, Parasite Eve? Saga Frontier! Now I'm angry! Okay. <laughs> I need to stop looking at this. Uh... <laughs> Okay, new question. Let's see. What else is boot I have to ask? Okay, Ooh, where did I put that? One moment. Uh, have you ever bought a game at full price and quit it after one gaming session or almost immediately? No, because I rarely buy games at full price and I make sure I know exactly what I'm getting into when I do. It's probably happened at least once, but it's the sort of thing where, like, if I did that, the game obviously did not leave enough of an... It's, like... If I was angry at the game, I would have, like, yelled about it and probably gotten further into it just to see if it ever improved. So it would have to be a game that I cared so little about that I never actually touched it again without even thinking about it. Um, if we're talking about just rentals, I once rented Lagoon. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> what yeah. a game. Especially the Super Nintendo version, which was completely messed up and had, um, like, a damage range for your sword that was measurable in pixels. Yeah, I think that was 
on like I want to say that was like a Sharp X sixty eight thousand game or some other like breed of late eighties Japanese computer that they ported to Super Nintendo. But they originally, I want to say that version was an East clone. That would make some sense from the way I vaguely remember it trying to play. I just remember Mm -hmm. I could not actually hit anything with the sword. Yeah, no, I've looked at I've looked at how Lagoon works, and it's just like, oh, that sounds miserable. It was. So yeah, um, buying no, renting yes. Oh man, if we just talk about like games I rented and wondered what I had done to anger God, I mean, we could be here for a while. Yeah. No, don't don't wonder what you did to anger God. Wonder what the developers, what deal the developers <laughs> made infernally to get it published in the first place. Yeah. Oh man. There is a certain, like, terrible nostalgia for, like, not actually having, like, you know, if if you really want to rent games now, I guess, like, your options at this point are you might theoretically, if you live in the right place, have a mom-and-pop place that still runs, or you do it by mail or Redbox. But, like, there is this period, like, you know, there is, in my mind, a terrible poisoned nostalgia for the idea of, like... Rent uh, of going to a rental store and hoping that they had new games because you remember everything that's there and you're starting to run out of things that you would actually want to play. Yeah, I mean, like um, the period of time where all I had was a Game Boy and my local and a bunch of uh, like discounted rental tickets for the local farmer, mm. and so that meant um, Final Fantasy Legend Two, Legend Three, um, and Final Fantasy Adventure. Yeah, that's Over that's what they had that was good. <laughs> yeah, and a few other little puzzle games I tried once or twice. Yeah, just well, that was that was fun. I kind of regret not renting something more substantial, but oh well. <laughs> I guess I'm stuck with Flipple for the next day or so. Mm-hmm. There's so many. There's so many puzzle games on Game Boy. <sighs> but yeah. Uh, otherwise, like if if there's ever a time this has happened, it is. It did not leave enough of a mark on my consciousness for me to be able to name what that game was. Uh, what would you like to see with a Switch remodel? I don't know. I, I need to actually try a Switch to figure that out right. Yeah, like the only thing I can think of is that you would want it to be lower in price, but other than that... Yeah. I mean... When you think about it, it's... I mean... You'd have to get more creative than the original development team to figure out a good way to remodel that thing. Yeah, I mean, like, you can't cha- you can't change its physical dimensions because then Joy-Cons won't fit in it. Yeah, like, and um, I remember a couple of weeks ago you were making a comment about, like, games that interact depending on the relative lo- location of two Switches to each other. Yeah, su- uh, Super Mario Party does that explicitly. Yes, I... I- yeah, I I, mem- I thought you st- were talking about it as a hypothetical, and then I saw it in the store. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, like, it's really neat, but it also means that, like, certain aspects of, like, its wireless communications have to still exist exactly as they currently do, or else it, like, it breaks compatibility, and that is the last thing you want to do. Yeah. So basically, the way they've built it up, they had to get it as close to perfect as possible the first time. And I mean, like, it is fair to say that the Switch is the Nintendo console that needs a redesign the least. Yeah. Like, the only thing I could really see them doing is things that, like, you wouldn't really advertise. It would just be, like, 
something that people notice like later models do like oh this one has a better battery or a slightly different kind of screen yep different color scheme yeah oh that's that's a thing that seems like it inevitably will happen is just them selling switches of different colors (laughs) they already sell like switches with that are like the only way to get this kind of joy con which uh, i've seen people fall for somehow Oh, you know, there's one born every minute. Yeah, I mean, if you got enough money to throw around, who am I to judge? And ask pause about the concept of white whales sometime. Oh, heavens. Yeah, she's got lots of fun stuff to say about that. <laughs> Mainly because that's how, that's how her company funds itself. Yeah, it's kind of how just about anything has to fund itself at this point. Like, find the person that is obsessed over it and has the kind of disposable income to throw away at it. Yep. Which does kind of lead us into the next question. Do you feel the prices of games are fair? Do you see games going up in price soon? Well, I think they're perfectly fair, but I live over in Japan where they don't have some of the more interesting inflation models that American companies use. Yeah, like I feel like the issue... Like, you could go into a lot of, like, economic discussion about why they're kind of leery about, like, across-the-board price increases. Mm -hmm. Like... Aside from the fact that, like, like publishers exist to draw out as much money as they can, which is why, like, you'll you start to see like mobile monetization tactics in the console space. It's not like a situation of it's impossible to make money this way anymore. Although there is question of how sustainable certain like really large productions are at the prices that they currently are, but like. It's never really going to be a question of fair. It's always going to be a question of a long, like, corporate graph that explains how much they think they will make based on this price of, uh, like, this price. And that number does not go up when they br- bump the price up to $70 base. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I honestly don't ever see them wanting that in unless and until like a lot more inflation has happened just because like they they don't want to go back to the time where fantasy star cost a hundred bucks yeah because that sticker shocks people like that scares like mm-hmm. even if their dollar is worth more before than before like it doesn't matter because that number that higher number is scary like yeah. they kind of already do this but they do it in a self-selecting way like a special edition that's 10 or 20 dollars more but has like 10 cents worth of plastic garbage attached to it is them doing that. Yeah. And some people fall for it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, speaking of which, um, I, just last night I saw a Valkyrie Profile limited edition box for sale at a book off, minus the game itself, but with everything <laughs> else included. It, I like, checked inside the box. It had, it had the art book. It had this little charm thing. had some other stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Yours for five bucks. Not bad. Not bad at all, no. There's some nice art in the Valkyrie Profile. Yep. So, um, anybody out there, if you have a copy of Valkyrie Profile in the case for PlayStation 1 and you just feel like having a little extra, email me. Go ahead. I feel like, I feel like the Japanese PS1 cases are actually a little thicker than the American ones. since It's been a while since I last checked, but... I know. I mean, I have a feeling that at least the original PlayStation cases weren't that different from each other. Because mm. there, I mean, for, I mean, it really depends on how many CDs 
in the game, or there were in the game, but Valkyrie Profile only had the one. And so yeah. it's just a CD jewel case. That reminds me of like those the occasional RPG that I'd pick up, where it would have a two a two CD jewel case, but it would only be a one disc game. I could never understand why that happened. I don't know. I I do remember playing one game, um, Wings of Alnum, that had it, it was a three disc game, but the third disc existed only for the end credits video. <laughs> and I was actually kind of relieved when I realized this because it meant that I didn't have to deal with the game anymore. Oh, that speaks that speaks volumes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, we're talking, like, incredibly murky graphics. I had to keep adjusting the color aspect ratios on my TV so I could actually see where I was going during any sort of night cycle. Oh, game. boy. Um, its map was... World map was really wonky at times. Um, the in-battle menus occasionally cut off. <laughs> I mean, you could still select stuff below the line, you just couldn't see what you were selecting. Yeah, that's just... Oh, man, I can't imagine... Well, I can't imagine, but it's such a strange thing to think of as being, like, in a released game on a console. Like, that kind well, of bug is super weird. It's also one of the very first PlayStation 1 games released. Ah, that would explain it's, it's it. It's the sequel to a... Um, it was the sequel to a PC Engine game, which <laughs> literally was one of... Which was literally one of the first PlayStation games to be released, the, the port of that one. Mmm... I tried playing the port, and oh, no, 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 that's when I returned to the store. <laughs> but I definitely did not pay full price for it, so it does not count for Budai's earlier question. Fair, fair. Oh, man, that that does make me just think about, like, it seems like the PlayStation sort of attracted a handful of those, like, companies that had only really worked in, trafficked in, like, PC Engine and Japanese PC games before working on that. Well, yeah, because that was... I mean, that was their medium. Yeah. I mean, um, Tengai Makyo, uh, Manjimaru... No, no, the original one, Tengai Makyo, the original, was, like, the first game to have... RPG to have voice acting and video cutscenes. Or animated cutscenes. Yeah. That game so, was a crazy production, given the time. Red Company. Yeah. yeah. Um, Red Company. <laughs> Red Company, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so when PlayStation suddenly became the big... Um, big new market section for RPGs and other games, PC Engine developers were the ones who had the experience with that kind of architecture. Yeah. Um, there was a PC Engine successor to migrate to that was worth using, so... So they just chose PlayStation as a successor? Yeah. Just kind of interesting to me, also, just as, like, the PC Engine was, like, a co-production between NEC and uh, Hudson Soft, but, I mean, like, it was... NEC that was sort of like running the show in terms of like how licensing worked and I would imagine that they probably operated relatively close to how Sony operated at the time of like well we don't actually do a lot with this so we're kind of fast and loose on how it works mm -hmm. yeah uh, as, as for the original question like I I don't see uh, game prices going up like I, I feel like without DLC they might have made a like without DLC, without loot boxes, without all these, they might have made a play at up at upping the standard price. But I think that there's a lot of internal aversion to doing that because it it does rankle people, and if not everyone does it all at once, it tends to hurt sales for everything. So who knows? Uh, as for if prices of games are fair, I mean, like 
if if you're I, I feel like the fact that we haven't left behind physical media and therefore like if you really get the price of something you can wait and get it cheaper means that like whether something's price is fair is a much more variable question. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, it's like, okay, let's check back in six months to a year and see how much the price has dropped. Yeah. And that's I feel a like, good measure of how good, how well the game was received. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those things where, like, in America, the prices, they don't tumble the same way that they do in Japan, but, like, there, it's still a situation of, like, if you're really not happy with it, if you're willing to wait, like, six months, you can get it for you know, quite cheap. Especially if you're willing to go through, like, private sales. I mean, so... The the question of, like, whether the base price is fair is super variable, so, like, I can't really say much about this as, like, a phenomenon. Like, video games are expensive to produce, especially the ones that people charge $60 for. So, I mean, I'm fine with paying $60 for the ones that I actually want. <laughs> But, I mean, making a value proposition on an entire medium for a dollar number is pretty difficult. Uh, and uh, Strawberry Eggs also has a question. Zooming on, zooming on through these. Uh, Sony won't be at E3 2019. Thoughts? Is this further proof that E3 is becoming less relevant and will cease altogether in the near future, or are these claims overblown? I think I've been hearing that E3 is about to die for the past uh, 15 years. Any any question that starts with is such and such thing about to die is almost certainly an overblown question. Hello. Does anyone remember hey. when Apple was about to die? <laughs> Does anybody remember the last 15 times that Nintendo was about to die? Yeah, that too. I mean, E3 was also about to die in about 2006, 7, 8, 10, 12. <laughs> it's, it's been one of those, like... There's there's questions about its relevance every year because it's a really, really expensive production and there's questions of how much it's useful at this point. But I mean, like, Sony pulling out to me seems more like uh, we have a big, splashy PlayStation 5 reveal we want to do later in the year. Mm. Like, that would be the thing that I am assuming before I assume, like, e is dying and no one wants to bother anymore. Sounds yeah. about right. Like, it is... It's one of those situations where, like, I'm left with that conclusion because they have games coming out, but it makes it very clear that they have no desire to announce games further in the future than, like, late 2019. Like, Last of, Last of Us 2, Ghost of Tsushima, Days Gone are all supposed to be out in 2019. Whether they actually manage that is anyone's guess, but they're all supposed to be out in 2019, and they've been very unwilling to talk about games that are supposed to be further than that. Yeah. So, yeah, big splashy PS5 reveal probably in August or September. Sounds about right. Is it going to be a portable? Uh, no. Okay. Yeah. It's you, it's much too late in the game for them to have tried it. You knew you knew exactly what I mean, even though I mumbled through it. <laughs> Like, you said portable, and it's like, oh, yes, you mean a Switch competitor. Yeah. I mean, like, R&D would have started on this thing in 2013. They would not have had time to That's rejigger true. it entirely. 
And they also don't really have a clear reason as to why they would want to, like, try to chase that tail. Because, like, the Switch is a huge success, but also the PS4 was a success. There's no reason for them to reverse direction unless the PS5 causes them problems. It's it's not like they've been harmed by the Switch's success. On the contrary, there's probably tons and tons of Switch owners that also have a PS4. It's super weird, like... The people I, I saw like analysts looking at like how console sales have been going, and all of them were up this year. <laughs> That's weird. Like it, it was like they couldn't work out because you know historically like this is around the time that like their peak period has cooled off and they are starting to tumble, and you would expect the PS4 and Xbox to do that. Not necessarily the Switch; it's still new, but none of them were down this year. I. I f- I feel like part of it might be just we're hitting the point where we've probably hit that a while ago, but we're hitting the point where new hardware isn't necessarily a draw anymore and new games kind of are. I mean, you look at one of the most popular games right now, Fortnite, isn't exactly pushing any hardware to its limits. Nope. It's a very top-to-bottom approach with yeah. that one. It's like, oh, you know, it's also... Yeah, it's also pushing the patience of some gamers to its limits. Yes. I mean, they'll always do that, but, uh, I mean, like, they... they Player base. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, like, that, that's one of those things that's kind of a bellwether for uh, where things are going as well. The idea of, like, tar- like, for a long time, like, at least up through, the la- up through like, 2010... The conventional wisdom among big publishers was that you target for the highest possible spec, because that was your bread and butter audience, the kind of consumer that wanted the most like crazy visual fidelity. Like, I will, I will mail you my disc snapped in half if I get a frame drop kind of player. <laughs> and I think that like the rise of mobile failed to like. There was a time where it was predicted it would supplant consoles, but it's actually mostly just raised the question of, like, people want to play games in all sorts of configurations, mm-hmm. and if you can make a game that works in a lot of configurations, you can port it to a lot of different things, and you can sell it to a lot of different kinds of people. And we're starting to get a repeat of the early 80s game market. Hell yeah. Oh, wait, yeah. that ends badly. <laughs> Minus PT. Yeah, let's let's just not have open-world Pac-Man come in and destroy the entire industry. Um, E.T. is open-world Pac-Man. You go ahead and look, you go ahead and I look at how it plays. See, I thought you were talking about Pac-Man 2. No, no. Pac-Man 2 is a graphical adventure game. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I could, yeah I could see throw that. ping-pong balls at Pac-Man until he crashes into a tree and dies. Um, that was a weird game. It's a weird, weird game. Uh, but no, go look at how E.T. on the 2600 plays. It's open-world Pac-Man. Prove me wrong. Hmm. Um, but just like it's become and that's one of the things that has abetted the switch in a lot of ways is that like developers there are these boutique developers that make it their business to like port these do these crazy impossible port jobs but you also have just in general that it makes sense to make your engine such that it scales well it makes sense to make your assets such that they scale well like, you want to make a game that can go, come to as many things as possible. Yeah. And for a long time, that was not how people designed things. 
This makes me uh, makes me wonder why there hasn't been Overwatch on the Switch yet. Because I hear they they intentionally keep referencing the idea. I hear they intentionally made that uh, engine very scalable. Like you every, every time every time someone asks for that, their response is like, "Well, we haven't announced that yet." Hmm. There's never a like, "We can't do that." It's always, "Well, we haven't announced such a thing yet." So that seems like a uh, give it another year and a half. It depends on how busy Panic Button is. <laughs> They're kind of holding out for when they really need a sales boost. Here, here's a new market that can, and all of you can buy loot boxes. And unless you live in a country where they've been, constant, where they have been considered gambling and yeah. in which case you can buy nothing. I love Overwatch, but I will not spend real physical money on those loot boxes. I, I think that they're pretty immoral. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where like. Uh, I feel like there's also just the issue that's been cropping up the past few console cycles where like you look at it, it was really easy to tell a PS1 game from a Dreamcast or PS2 game Yeah, because you looked at them and like oh the PS1 can't actually like work out what perspective textures are supposed to be seen from so they're constantly smearing and warping across the screen Dreamcast mm-hmm. and PS2 games don't do that okay it's immediately visually obvious like that sort of thing, those those really baked into the hardware flaws that made it obvious when they went away, have sort of they're not there. And so it, the first generation of next generation games for the past few generations have been, oh, I guess that's a little higher poly count. I guess those textures are a little nicer, but like you have to get several years deep into the library before they're really like wowing you in terms of the the old system could not have done this, and so that that rush to adopt like people still do it because all of us we're we're living in a time of incredible technophilia and all of us love those things i'm sure uh, <laughs> but no cer- certainly enough people are like that that you know they can certainly guarantee they'll sell out but like there's there's less of a concerted need from all involved like triple a developers are you know in many ways still coming to grips with how to run game development in the year 2018 with the current systems they have. And, like, even if you could make the the often-heard argument of, like, the PS4 and X-Bone are PCs from five years ago, it's like, yeah, but also making AAA content is huge and expensive. And, you know, someone who started a game in development right when those right after those consoles came out might just be finishing the first one they finished for that console. <laughs> So, also, a computer yeah. from five years ago is what most people can afford. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's also I'm what most people. I got a laptop from five years ago, and I'm like, eh. I'm very happy I'm going to be getting a new one by the next time we do this next week. Nice. nice. But it is one of those situations where it's like, realistically, people don't need to upgrade their computers that often, mm-hmm. and I feel like realistically, people don't need to upgrade their consoles that often. <laughs> People like people upgrade their phone because everyone's gonna see it. It turns into like this weird status symbol. But I mean, like consoles and computers, they kind of want to reliably be there. So I don't know. Uh, as for E3 2019, it'll be fine. Nintendo wasn't at several E3s, and that didn't stop E3. <laughs> no, nope. I mean they were quote unquote there, but I mean they weren't there there. <laughs> 
They haven't had their big a big press conference there for a few years now. Wasn't that the last thing that was going to kill E3? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I have to the check out. I will be back in a couple minutes. Sure. Either that or it's the thing that was supposed to kill Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if the Wii U can't kill Nintendo, what can? I mean, the last... The last doom and gloom prediction I saw for Nintendo had to do with, oh, the Switch isn't selling as much as we think it should, when it's actually selling at least as well as Nintendo predicted it would. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, the, I think the Switch is doing just fine. Uh, so did you guys go through all the other questions already? Oh, we only had like two, right? Well, I mean, technically five, because Budai likes to stack his. Oh, uh, yes. Very true. Well, if we're out of questions, maybe we can talk about Pokemon. Well, I need to get going in a few minutes. But... Damn. But... <laughs> Come on, what about Pokemon? Uh, well, I've been playing a lot of uh, Moon, uh, but I've also been playing a lot of the card game with my son. He is, like, super into it right now. <laughs> Because all those, all the decks you buy come with a little online code to play them in the the uh, digital version of the game. I am playing that as well. So um, it's been a while since I've really enjoyed Pokemon. So this it's been fun, and uh, Moon is definitely definitely my favorite game in the series so far. So I'm looking forward. I'm actually looking forward to starting over in uh, an ultra version. Yeah, and there's and there's a uh, there's obviously let's go Eevee, but I mean that's I've been mostly using that to like show my son and play the co-op a bit. It's it's obviously for new people new to the series, so it's not going to be my favorite thing, but it's fun enough. I don't know. I really loved the original Pokemon game and kind of never got into anyone as any of them as much as that original game until now. So it's. It's it's been fun to kind of rediscover uh, kind of the magic of the original that I ruined for myself by actually going through with their advice and catching them all. Catch Which in case anyone is wondering, you get basically nothing for doing that, so don't do it. Uh, so we need to beg for some more questions for next week. Seriously. Yep. You're letting hmm. us down, Budai. Okay, so question for the audience here. If I am to, for example give out Steam games as Christmas presents this year and the person I have in mind is in the market for something sort of neoclassical JRPG and he has no idea what's out there right now. Hmm. What would you recommend, dudes? Okay, That's a good one. Yep. Uh, my obvious answer would be uh, Cosmic Star Hero. Well, yes. I'm... I was trying to think of ones that I haven't personally played because several of those are already on my list. Uh, Dragon Fantasy? Don't know that one. Okay. I've actually met the creator of that. There's actually two of those. One is modeled after like the ori original Dragon Quest mm -hmm. and one plays a bit more like Chrono Trigger-ish. Uh, but they're, they're pretty fun. Simple, straightforward, classic JRPG. Uh, what else is there? There's lots of Kimco games. <laughs> I'm trying to avoid those. <laughs> uh, this probably doesn't technically count, but you need to play Undertale. I do have it, I just haven't really played it. Okay. 
And I've got a list of games I'm going to be playing as soon as my new laptop arrives and I am like technologically capable of playing them. Nice. I've got like three or four that I know I, I simply cannot play on this computer. <laughs> I'm amazed I meant to get Kingmaker to play as well as it did. Did Last Remnant work on your computer? I forget. Amazingly well. It worked better. <laughs> it worked better than Swap Quest. That's impressive. Yes, um, it worked much better than Swap Quest. Um, it was still a little laggy on some of the videos. Um, I have a couple where they were fine, except for a few minor graphical errors and the fact that anytime it goes into a like musical video sequence, the music starts going. Ooh. Really nasty. Uh, that would be like Atelier, um, what was it? Still, um, I've forgotten which one was. Sophie? Sophie, thank you, Sophie. I was like, Sylvie, Susie, oh, Sophie, yeah. <laughs> Sophie, the one where people's eyes would occasionally detach and put themselves in other people's foreheads. Uh, uh. Yeah, yeah, I included in my vi my review at least one uh, one picture of a main character with no eyes. Oh, no, no. Just to make the point, yeah. If you want nightmares, this is the version for you. On the other hand, the the uh, villainous duo in that game looked properly evil without eyes. Because <laughs> they were the ones that almost never had them. Other nice. characters just kind of come and go sometimes, but those two were always soulless little dolls. <laughs> and um, there was one, uh, it was called Five Heroes of Canaan, Something like that. It was. I was kind of curious to see how a biblically themed RPG would go, so I, I grabbed it when they were handing out the review codes. When it loaded up, it had like a three frame per second frame rate. <sighs> wow. Yeah, it completely failed to work on my computer. <laughs> as I said, Kingmaker works fine as after you get through the load up, and it plays the music perfectly during the loading times. It's just the loading times, not including updates, would go from 45 minutes to an hour. The, lo the loading times? The loading times. An hour? Yes. Oh, my God. I actually wrote like 1,500 words of a story at one point, just listening to the music on my headphones and just writing, writing, writing. Wow. Did wonders for productivity, but oh, man. Yeah. That's impressively bad. Yeah. And again, amazingly, the game itself played perfectly fine as long as it wasn't trying to save something. Is that the game based on uh, Pathfinder? Pathfinder? Okay. Yep. Anyway, I really need to get going now. All right. Okay. I will let you go. Okay. And I'll see you next week, sir. Yep. Have a good one. You too. All right. I guess it's time to wrap this thing up. Now that, now that we are playing Man Down. Yes. Well, I guess it's kind of like last week. Semi-parallel recordings. I mean, it's not like we're having you re-answer all the questions. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you could, but I don't think your throat would survive. Probably not. Uh, so yeah, questions, etc. Especially Pokemon questions, because I've been doing Pokemon everything of late. My, as... Was just Time for Wheels to play some Pokemon Troze. As, as was mentioned while you were away, my son is super into the Pokemon card game right now, so... Oh, man. It's like I get home and it's like, the cards are already on the table, and I'm like, well... <laughs> I know what I'm Wizards, doing. Who actually developed that card game? 
Like, who conceived the rules of it? Because I know Wizards of the Coast distributed in the U.S., but I have no idea where the rules for it came uh, from. I'm not sure, and I'm. It's always been a little weirded out because they they merged a bunch of types together. Oh yeah, yeah. It's Ma- like, very weird. also, some of them have type names that are just like what? Excuse me. Yeah. My favorite is that a few years in, they introduced like a steel type equivalent, except it's called metal type. Yeah, I think they I think they just call it steel now. Either that or I've just been calling it steel out of habit. I think I if you realize. got an energy card for it, it would still say metal energy. I'll have to look at it. That's weird. But yeah, it's like... Uh, so, some of it makes sense. It's like, okay, ice and water together, that makes sense, but... Fight, Those are always kind of redundant. Fighting and rock type are together, so that means like your electric types are weak against fighting types, which just looks weird. And and also, rocks were originally weak against fighting types. Yeah. And then you got it's, it's strange. And you got bug and grass are together, and probably some other stuffs mixed in there. But then they just went and add, added new energy types later. So uh, dark. To be fair, eighteen energy types would be too many. Probably, yeah. I can understand it originally. So I'm gonna play a double colorless energy. Yeah. But, I mean, eventually, yeah, they added in some more. So you got Dark, you got, uh... Um... I think they have a Dragon type. I've lo- I was looking at... I got some of these in a booster pack. They have... They don't have, like, their own energy card. They, like, mix different energy types. I th- oh, I've seen those, yeah. They're very weird. There's, like, those weird... There's weird things that are, like... It's one card, but it's like two. You have to make it up out of two cards, I think. It's like, I, it's like the Pokemon card game equivalent of gold cards and magic, I guess. I don't know what that is, so I'm it's going to nod politely. Just a multicolored card. Yeah, it's, it's super weird. Like that's that's one of the weird things about card games is they start getting along in the tooth and they start introducing these new weird mechanics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was looking at these some, don't even look like the same kind of cards anymore. So one of the weird new things that I look that I saw and was like, "Wow, this seems stupidly powerful." Was they this, have this is weird and alien to me, and I find it upsetting. They have EX Pokemon. Yeah, EX Pokemon, where you don't have to go through their evolutionary line. Right. I think. Yeah, so you get like Charizard EX, which is a quote-unquote basic Pokemon that you can start out right away, and it has powerful attacks with the downside of. If it gets knocked out, uh, your opponent draws double the prizes. Yeah, and if you draw all six prizes, it's you know, game over. Yeah. But that's kind of those, that thing that happens with card games is that, like, stronger things are generally necessarily things that come out faster, and so card games have this weird... Well, we made this set too strong, and suddenly all of the all these games are concluding faster than they're supposed to. Yeah. Well, they they're going even crazier. Rotate that set out. <laughs> they're going crazier in the new set where they have tag team Pokemon, which are basic what? basic Pokemon that have like 200, 300 life, crazy powerful attacks, and the the downside is obviously three prizes for your opponent if they got it. Like eventually, the, the logical end point is that you get a Pokemon that if your opponent kills it, you just lose the game. Right. To be fair, that's probably kind of already the case for some of these. We're like, oh, my entire deck is built around this. If it if it's yeah. destroyed, I don't really actually have a second play. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to pretend to be some master of the Pokemon card game or anything, but from 
um, from using the uh, codes from the decks I've been getting for my son to play the online game, it's it's been hard because it's a very different game from what I'm used to. Which is good because I mean, it's like... good, yeah. But it's you you kind of have to think ahead a lot. I'm not used to this. Yeah, you have to think like oh. It's instead of oh well, I can do damage with this thing now. It's it's you have to think like oh this guy's going to be gone in probably another turn or two, and what do I do then? And sometimes you just have to throw out Pokemon and let them die, which is a weird thing to learn. You're just gonna have to accept that that's that that's your lot. That like they're gonna get a prize from that, and you're just gonna have to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes you. Uh, picking who to throw out there is actually pretty strategic mm-hmm. and yeah it gets pretty weird and uh, one of the one of the cards I that had an ability I thought was terrible when I first read it and this is the this is one of the hard things that's been for me to learn is there's a lot of Pokemon with abilities that don't do damage they do other things and but that's that's what gives that Pokemon utility is yeah. that it does something weird outside of doing damage and as a kid those were always the abilities I would immediately remove <laughs> Yeah, pay for like, new stuff. Well, well, if I'm not doing damage, it's not. I can't win. Yeah, like that's how you you think as a child when you're playing a card game. Yeah, but no, I mean even like in like the original video games, like stuff like Leer or Tail Whip would be the first thing to go. To be fair, if you're playing in single player, they're not that useful. That's true. Uh, but you know, looking at this, obviously, my card game brain is looking at these and okay, why my card brain. <laughs> <laughs> these have to be useful. Why are they useful? So one of the first ones I saw this with was something that bounced the opposing... If you flip a coin, if heads, you bounce the opposing Pokemon back to your hand. And it's like, wow. oh, that seems bad. And then I'm, and then obviously I was an idiot and realized, oh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, being able to force your opponent to not be able to play that thing, it's... Uh... Yeah. And it only takes two energy to use, so I was like, oh, "This, this is ridiculous tempo. Like, this is just absurd." I'm trying to remember what the there's one like the Garboder cards all have uh, something called Garbotoxin, and I'm trying to remember what that does because I remember it being like, "Wow, what the hell?" <laughs> okay, let me see. Garbotoxin. Uh. Okay, let me see if I can find this. I'm assuming that this ability's uh, type, like what this ability does, has not changed. This Pokemon has a tool card attached to it. Each Pokemon in play, and each player's hand, and each player's discard pile. That is absurd. <laughs> ability, Garbotoxin. If this Pokemon has a Pokemon tool card attached to it, each Pokemon in play, in each player's hand, and in each player's discard pile, has no abilities except for Garbotoxin. Just negate all abilities everywhere. That's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I gotta love those uh, those things that are just designed to like negate uh, some portion of the game. Yeah. You know the the weird thing about this game for me is is the whole weakness and resistance stuff. Yeah. Just it, it seems the concept. <laughs> Just the the concept in a card game because you can just say you're playing I don't know you're playing a fire and water deck. What if the the fact that they're fire and water does not specifically interact. Right. 
but if depending on what you run if what you run up against from an opponent you could have no recourse other than being completely obliterated by Pokemon that are strong again. And I, I, I don't know if there's exactly something like that in other card games. Makes the metagame harder to keep track of. Exactly. Thankfully, I'm not actually paying playing money for it because it doesn't oh, have... You'd it doesn't be in ha- bad shape. Yeah, well, it doesn't <laughs> have a crafting system or anything. It's got... I think it has actual trading and... But the good thing is, the good thing, and this is the, the one thing I really like about the uh, digital version of this, they you can play uh, a versus mode where you just match up against other people, like you know the oh, decks you buy in a store. Yeah, so like you don't have to worry about like running into someone who has like the most ridiculous tricked out deck. Ex- exactly. So you can you can just you know buy one of the theme decks, which they're just neat little pre-constructed decks, and I think. They're uh, they're better put together than some of the like precon magic decks I've seen, and you know you just play other people playing those. So you and they even have tournaments with those. I saw preconstructed uh, decks are actually really important to getting a new player into a card game. Yeah, and I don't think I really appreciated that fact until I took a look at this because yeah, you know, I've been so used to like digging into a meta game and just you know. Let's ask the internet what my deck should be. Yeah, net deck and stuff like that. They didn't think that, well, what if you're going into a game like this, you don't have access to anywhere near the cards to do that, and you just want to play and learn. What if you do want to learn to to build a deck? Like, if you're just going in cold, like, that that pre-constructed deck should be something that allows you to play the game. Yeah, and uh, it it tells you things, subtle things that are pretty important, like, okay, if I'm going to build a deck, how much... If they put this in... Yeah. Why is it here? How much ener- <laughs> how much energy do I put in the deck? How many Pokemon do I put in the deck? How many trainer cards do I put in the deck? Which ones are good? Like, what do I need? These are all all things that you subtly learn while playing one of these. And like these these preconstructed decks help you to understand the balance of how a deck is supposed to be built. Exactly. <laughs> or just like you know, like I was saying, like you you pick one of these up and it's like. Oh, okay. So, this is like there. There's X number of cards in here. Why is one of them this? Yeah. Oh, is this supposed to work with this in specific? Like you sort of see, a, a good theme deck will also have like what is the strategy that this is supposed to bring forward? Yeah. And eventually, you can just get to the point where you can, you know, you open some packs and you get to the point where like, oh, I have these, which will. I think fit this deck better than what's in there already, and then you kind of go from there and you start building your own deck. So, yeah, I think I've been too far in too many other games to kind of have seen the importance of these, and now I do. Learning is fun. Learning is fun, Demental. Getting completely owned by 12 year olds online was fun. Uh, no, it was not. <laughs> <laughs> I was just assuming that it happened, but now you have given me proof that it did. Uh, I mean, I, I can't technically tell anyone's age, but I just assume that I'm getting wrecked by 12-year-olds a lot, yes. Like a lot of them, like, statistically, probably, yeah. I mean, given uh, the target market. Yeah, like, I, I so I earned enough of whatever the in-game currency is called recently to buy a new deck, so I went, I was like, oh, there's a Greninja deck, I like that. That's a cool Pokemon. Let's That's do cool that. Pokemon. Do that, and 
the deck is freaking awful. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> oh, that's also the fun thing about pre-constructed decks is like sometimes you'll get one that's just like, oh, this one's just bad. Yeah, it's like oh, the two the two pre the two forms leading up to Grand Ninja don't do any damage and their abilities are kind of terrible. <laughs> Like you have to find a you have to find a way. Like I'm sure that Greninja once it's on the field is good. It's not that good. <laughs> it's it's better than it's it's okay. So it's your objective to get it on the field, but once it's on the field, it's not that good either. Yeah, one of its strongest attack requires you to return an energy card to your hand. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. You can only you can only like attach like one energy per turn, yeah. correct? Yes. Oh heavens. Yes. Someday maybe we'll talk about how that's awful tempo, and you don't want to play cards like that. Like anything that, like, oh, I'm only allowed to do this once per turn, and doing this means that I am at, like, zero tempo. Tempo. I'm no longer moving forward. <laughs> yeah, 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 yep. A- any, I'm always wary, that's one thing I've learned so far, to be wary of anything that says, discard an energy card when you use this attack, or return one to your hand, or move it elsewhere, it's like... Unless you're completely destroying your opponent with that, then or, you've just lost. Yes. Or unless the attack is super powerful, like one of them on Blaziken is, you discard an energy card when you use the attack, but it does 20 damage, in addition to like 90 damage to the attack. Pokemon, it deals 20 damage to all their bench Pokemon. Yeah, like that. that is doing enough that like you can accept that you're going to lose a card and that you're going to lose some tempo. Oh, and his ability is once per turn you can take a uh, fire energy from your discard pile and attach <laughs> Okay, that's ridiculous, it's, because that's also just helping recover yeah. some of that tempo that it just lost it's, you. It's only to a Pokemon on your bench so you can't like just... A, Attach it back to you can't that. just use it as a Blaziken battery, but but still, you can deal ridiculous damage and prepare. Yeah, like you're already next. preparing for the next for like if you because you will eventually lose that Blaziken if they just keep throwing Pokemon at it. Yeah. But like you you are preparing whatever you're going to use after Blaziken. Yeah. So. But uh, what was the one of the recent ones I had had a cool combo in it where there's a legendary Pokemon that's just like a powerful basic, and one of its abilities is when you use the attack, you um, discard the top pot, top card of each player's deck, and it does like I think 20 or 30 extra damage for each energy card discarded this way. And one of the other Pokemon in that deck has an ability where you can once per turn search for a card and put it on top of your deck. So you can kind of combo those two together, put an energy card on top of your deck, use that, and there you go. And I think that's also the deck that has the Blaziken in it as well. So then you can kind of use multi-way combo. You put those on top, discard them to power up that Pokemon's attack, then use, then you'll have fuel for your Blaziken to ready your other guys, and it's <laughs> combos. I love combos. Combos. But yeah. Uh, I've been all about the Pokemon recently, including trying to finally finish Pokemon Moon, which I am loving. It's a good game. Yeah, it's a really good game. I am pumped. I'm actually pumped to start completely from scratch from an ultra ultra version. It doesn't bother me at all. Just really into it. Yeah, it's 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 the first. I mean, I I've, I've actually finished a, a Pokemon since uh, Red and Blue. Now I finished X which is really good. But I mean this this one is this one is just awesome. This one's next level. Yeah. 
and I, I think it was for a lot of people. And I, you know, you know how easily distracted I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do. Uh, speaking of which, I also imported Persona Q two. Ah, oh, Persnack. Yeah. How's that going? It's fun. It's. The I was expecting you to say I haven't started it yet. <laughs> I have started it. Um, the music is obviously awesome. The visuals are awesome. No idea what's going on in the story, which is fine because I haven't finished five yet, so I actually don't know who some of these characters are yet. Yeah, there's uh, one, there's some of those where I'm like, hmm, I wonder when this takes place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's good. I'm really hoping it eventually comes out in English. Uh, uh, December work-wise is a really rough month, so I kind of just wanted something to mess around with. Looks like it's going to do just fine for that, so... Somebody say rough month. Yeah. yeah. Play that sounds fun. To it. it it doesn't look like it changes much from the original, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. So we'll see. It's more ultra. Yeah. Uh, it's like Pokemon Ultra. It's like Persona Ultra Q. Wait now. <laughs> <laughs> and we got Last Rem- Remnant coming out later this week. That might be tomorrow, actually. I forget. And also, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate at the yes. end of the week. Yes, I have to. I'm trying to sell some magic cards right now. I'm hoping that will that will happen, and I will have funds to get Smash Bros. It's uh, we can dream. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere out there someone is yelling but wheels you could have bought smash brothers instead of importing a game you can't read <laughs> and you're not wrong somewhere <laughs> out there beneath the pale moonlight someone's bench to just keep going oh with this awful like lounge singer cover of that song until you stop me. Uh, I guess we should wrap this up. So yeah, probably. To go to sleep. Questions in the usual places. Yes. Don't let wheels die. Um, see you, space cowboy. Pokemon, <laughs> gotta catch them all. No, but don't don't catch them all. It's a trap. Oh, did you see the uh, Let's Go trailer that was just the, uh, just essentially like a bunch of scenes from Let's Go meant to line up with the uh, original American opening to Pokemon? I did. It was magic. Went to a lot of trouble on that. It's the magic. A gathering of magic, even. No, 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 we're done. <laughs> see you, Space Cowboys. <laughs> Stop I want to be the best uh, there ever was To beat all the rest Yeah, that's my cause Electro, Diglett, Nidoran, Mankey Venusaur, Rattata, Fero, Pinty Sea King, Jolteon, Dragonite, Gastly Ponytop, Vaporeon, Polyrath, Butterfree Catch em, catch em, gotta catch em all Pokemon I'll search across the land Look far and wide Release from my hand